All right, brothers, today we're here celebrating Christmas Day with Father Craig DeYoung of Our Lady of Wisdom Parish for Texas State University. And this is myself, Brian, and we have on the phone... I'm, I'm Monty. And I'm John. And I'm Father Craig, and it's good to be here with all of you guys. Great. So one thing that we've been building up to with this ministry so far is really the brotherhood of the baptized and how um, it's important to have community. And so with Christ coming into the world, uh, on this on this glorious day in the calendar of the church, that really allows us to celebrate in a in a concrete way the fact that we all are able to be brothers in Christ. So, Father, do you have any kind of comments to lead us into this discussion? Sure. Uh, one of the beauties of our faith with this liturgical calendar is that we have an opportunity to enter into the mystery of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And one of the places He invites us into is His holy family that there's an invitation to become a part of this family. And sometimes in the spiritual life, we call this the school of Nazareth, that we would make our home in the life of the Holy Family and ponder this mystery to be with Jesus as one of his brothers in, uh, in the Holy Family. That makes a lot of sense. And that also ties into the fact that we relate in a lot of ways to Mary as our mother. And so entering into that Holy Family is brothership with Christ and also with one another. How does St. Joseph tie into that? Well, St. Joseph um, is obviously the the father of Jesus in the human sense, that he is um, this adoptive father. But he he is also one who brings Christ to full maturity. You think about how the Holy Family works, that the the, the attention of the family is on this child. Um, And Mary and Joseph together looking upon Jesus and pondering this mystery of God made flesh, and yet at the same time, fulfilling their role and vocation of helping him to become to full maturity to his mission and his ministry. And so Mary and Joseph are for us also mother and father. He's a, a, a foster father for us in the spiritual life that we entrust to him um, the work of guarding and protecting us uh, in the spiritual life, but also to even ask him to help bring us to full maturity that we can uh, at some point as Christ did, he leaves the home and he begins his public work that we too can be raised to full maturity in the interior life and then go forth from there to do the work that God trusts to us um, as he gives even his mission over to us. You know, Jesus gives his own mission that the Father entrusted to him, to each one of us in some particular fashion. And so there's a moment in our lives that we have to go from this place of safety and security and, and go out. And Joseph is a real help in preparing us for that. Um, and I imagine in the life and the ministry of Jesus as well, how often maybe he looked back to that, that time, uh, that hidden time, the hidden life of Christ in the Holy Family, and thought about the encouragement he had from Joseph, his foster father, and uh, the things that he learned from him, and used those in his ministry as well. Yeah, I think with Christmas we have this celebration of the end of Advent, of this penitential season that we've talked about both on the blog and on today's stone where we're celebrating the coming of Christ, but also we're awaiting for the second coming of Christ. And we hear it a lot in different masses, depending on what the priest preaches on. But a lot of what I've heard is just preparing for that. And Joseph is preparing Jesus for adulthood, teaching him basic things as his foster father. Um, Like there's this image that was shown to me of Joseph and Jesus. And it's, like the child Jesus is playing in Joseph's workshop is Joseph's just making a table and there's a light 
shining on the child Jesus, and the shadow is a cross, and the child Jesus is playing with nails. Um, and it's a beautiful image of preparation and also symbolizing how Advent prepares us for this day and how we're called to celebrate this day. John, I think that's um, a sign to some degree that you that you bring that up because sitting here in Father Craig's office, he just pointed to the wall and there's that exact <laughs> image <laughs> hanging here on the wall. That's awesome. <laughs> so perhaps moving on a little bit, um, one of the other things that we have is as this brotherhood of the baptized, what role, Father, would you kind of add, or would you say that brotherhood, that fraternity, plays in our lives as as Catholics and Catholic men? Yes, well, we're Catholic, clearly, and we're not Protestant. And the idea that sometimes is presented in Christianity that's false is it's just a relationship with me and Jesus. And in Catholicism, in this whole... Um, idea of the family of God, that God is a family of persons, not not idea, the truth, that God is a family of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the family reflects this truth that we're made for communion. And this communion is not just simply um, in the church in terms of where we go on Sunday. It's not just simply in the home of the family where we, we form a family that, that shows forth this inner life of the Trinity and how we live out uh, the vocation of marriage. But it's also in the brotherhood of the baptized and also uh, another sort of brotherhood, which is of all humanity, the, the, the human family as well. But specifically talking about the brotherhood of the baptized, what this means is that discipleship is not carried out alone, that we need to have brothers to lean on, to carry us, to help us uh, to, to take those steps, to kick our butts when we're, we're being lazy and, and not doing the things we need to do. Um, that to try to do it alone is an endeavor that you've set yourself up for failure. That this brotherhood is such an essential thing. And it's something we're not very good at in our culture. This whole lie of masculinity where we say that um, you have to do it yourself. If you're not strong enough, if somehow you, you're, you're not self-reliant entirely. And we certainly want to, want to go from a place of, um, of complete independence, not all the way to the place of codependence, but something of interdependence where there's a healthy reliance upon each other in this uh, work that we're doing. I, I might even point you towards a really great resource on, on this, which is Henry Nouwen's um, Return of the Prodigal Son. and talks a lot about uh, this in relationship to the elder brother, um, who is standing outside of, of that fire and, and looking with sort of resentment and envy upon the love of the father given to the other brother. And yet, if, if he's willing to step into that light, there's a death to that um, envy, that resentment, um, realizing the Father's love is for him as well. And so the rivalry between brothers in that moment dies if, he's, if you're willing to, to all step into the Father's embrace, the, the home that the Father has prepared for us. Um, and so we have this false rivalry often between men that is not healthy. We want to go from the place of sort of this competition to this place of reliance upon each other to achieve great things, to spur each, on, each other on to greater things, to saintliness. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of my thinking on this brotherhood of brothers. That makes a lot of sense. And that's when, when we were starting this ministry, I was talking to my spiritual director. And one thing that he told me was, I'm glad that you're not doing this yourself. I'm glad that it's a group of you that are doing this together. We need other people in our lives to help push us forward and make us holy and not allow ourselves to become complacent. 
Yeah, I think I, I learned this in seminary. I was one of those men who sort of tried to do it on his own. And the Lord brought me a brother during my pastoral year, and we became really good friends. And now he's he's probably the person closest to me in this life. And through this friendship, God has revealed himself more and more and more and the need for this community. And it spurred me on to greater holiness. It's helped me to become a better priest, a better man. And uh, I'm also part of a, a priest fraternity, actually, called Koryezu. And we have about 14 priests who are part of this together. And we have days of prayer and recollection. Um, and so as a priest, so I don't fall into that trap that I am a lone wolf and trying to do it all on my own. Uh, and again, I would set myself up for failure in doing this. I rely upon them very heavily uh, in those times we're together. When I was thinking about this, I think how like very early in our like Christian journey, we can learn how we're not called to trust in the world. But I think it takes like another step to learn that we also aren't supposed to just trust in ourselves. I feel like at least for me, that's like a big fallacy to think that like I am strong enough, and how like it really is in fraternity and brotherhood, in like reliance on the Lord, that we like, overcome anything that we're struggling with. To, to trust so much in ourselves is almost in a weird way to trust in the world. We are we are part of the world, even though we're called to to overcome that. I mean, there's different senses of world in the scripture. Um, one sense of the world is that God looks upon it and it is good that the world is a creation. You can talk about the fallen world in the sense that uh, sin and death have entered the world. Um, I think you can also talk about worldly desires, those things that um, are passions for what is temporal rather than what is eternal. And I think there is a certain sense in, in the desires that are for the earthly to overcome them through a death to self and desire what is lasting and eternal, and that brotherhood really helps us to do that. Um, this, you know, a sense of perseverance in, in the ways of, of the world and that there is sin and death in the world. How do you endure those things that are such great suffering? Um, but not to deny the goodness of the world itself. And so to hold all those things, of course, in tension. Yeah, I think with this brotherhood, talking about how we're made for it we see brotherhood throughout scripture like you see jonathan and david going to war together you see the apostles literally spreading the church and i think whenever we have temptations we need our brothers this is an image that one of my friends told me about so in monty python and the holy grail um when sir galahad the chase goes to the castle um is like tempted by all these women his brothers literally like come in and push him out, even though he's like, I can fight it on my own. He, his brothers come in and like help him and help him to leave the temptation. And I think that image is like, beautiful, though like the scene is pretty funny. It's a real example of what brotherhood can look like. In the moment, we may not enjoy our brothers holding us accountable or calling us to the, to the virtuous life, but... In the long run, for our own sanctification, it helps us tremendously and helps reveal the glory of God. Helping to see the love of the Lord for me has come from my own brothers that have pushed me to virtue, that have pushed me to higher. There's just so much to go into here, and I, I'm just thinking now about brotherhood that I say failed. You know, I think I'm thinking of um, Cain and Abel and these brothers who. Um, this jealousy and this rivalry that led to this enmity between them and eventually, of course, you know, the death of one brother. And that question that God asks, uh, you know, <laughs> where is your brother? And, and the response is, am I my brother's keeper? That the correct response is, why, yes, I am. I am responsible for my brother. 
And there's this pervasive sort of attitude in, in the culture that I just think is so um, antithetical, just so contrary to, to this truth that we are responsible for our brothers. It's this whole live and let live sort of mentality. And yet fertile correction is an essential part of, um, of our life because why? Iron sharpens iron. And we, we are able to excel because those around us are excelling. And you've probably heard or, or um, this analogy, I've heard it a couple times recently, so it's, it's kind of making the rounds, I suppose. But this imagery of, of, of a pile of coals together, and they're on fire and they're burning. Uh, and if you take one of those coals and set it aside apart from the hole, it will cease to burn and go out, while the coals that are gathered together continue to burn. Uh, and of course, this is sort of a, an analogy for how we as the Christian community, we burn better together. We burn brightly together. And this brotherhood is a big part of that. It's, it's an essential sort of, I, I'm not just responsible for me. I, if, you, if you truly love your brother, you're going to want them to excel and, and you're going to bring them with you along the way. I think about Andrew and Peter, for example. Um, Andrew, of course, finds the Lord and says he's the Messiah, and he goes to Peter, and you know he says, "I found them. I found the Messiah." He immediately, sort of shares it with his brother and calls him to the Lord. And this brotherhood of brothers is is such a an important piece of our faith that I'm really really happy that you guys have a ministry committed to this and devoted to this. I think the fact that we need brotherhood instead of just um, that it's convenient for us is something that's been quite reflective and quite fruitful for me is yeah the analogy of the coals just like whenever i've isolated myself from my brothers i've found that sin has become more prevalent and then whenever i start bringing myself back into the fold of my brothers that there is more virtue and more fruit coming into my life because i need relationship i need my brothers to push me yeah, and I think the, the thought for me that's kind of been mustering the whole time is since you, Father, you mentioned the brotherhood of all of humanity, how, like, the secularization of Christmas, well, like, it's sad to see so many people not not going to church and going to Mass on Christmas, how Christmas has also become, like, a cultural event. I guess, like, how we balance that while also, like, enjoying, like, maybe that our, our non-baptized brothers are, like, at least celebrating a little part of Christ coming into the world even unknowingly, what we can celebrate a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think anything that can bring humanity together in a common ground is a helpful sort of thing. I think probably the holiday that seems to be in the U.S. to be most helpful for this is Thanksgiving. I think that this is something that no matter what your faith or culture or wherever you are, you can understand that gratitude is something uh, good and to be given and to, to have a thankful heart. Uh, and this, I think this helps us to find a common ground. Uh, so often we focus in humanity and those things that divide us. Um, but, of course, the starting ground is the things that we have in common. I think, of course, of John's Gospel, Chapter 4, with the Samaritan woman, uh, the Lord bridges the gap of cultures simply by asking for a drink. Everyone gets thirsty. Everyone gets hungry. And everyone has this desire in their heart for something greater, for God. And this is a place we can come together and, and recognize what makes us truly human. I think that's a great place to, to leave off. Father, thank you so much for your time, Monty and John. It was a great opportunity to come together as a ministry and really do our first recorded episode with all three of us here. To all of our, all of our listeners, Merry Christmas. Take care and may God bless you.